Fathead real big wall decals are life-size action images that you can stick on any smooth surface. Choose from hundreds of officially licensed athletes, team logos, entertainment images, or you can even create your own customizable options. Imagine, say, like a Chris Ryan giant fathead on your wall. That'd be fun. Made of durable vinyl, you can also move and reuse your fathead wall graphics. They're better, bigger, and tougher than that old school poster or sticker you used to have in your childhood bedroom. Designed and printed in the USA, your fathead wall decor is sure to amaze. So go to fathead.com slash NBA ringer to place your order and get 20% off site-wide. Welcome to the Monday Morning Heat Check. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm John Gonzalez. I'm in New York and you're in L.A., but there's still basketball to discuss. Basketball does not stop, Juliette. Basketball never stops, except for a couple of people, including right now, Derek Rose. Let's start by talking about the uh, reports coming from ESPN with Derek Rose and the Cavs. So some will recall that last season, Derek Rose didn't show up for a game with the Knicks. And there was like a big like uh, was like a medium brouhaha around it. He didn't tell them. No, he didn't tell them. So that was a little bit different. This is he's been out with an ankle injury since November 7th. And last week it broke from Dave McMenamin and Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that he was away from the team and evaluating his future. Sounded very ominous. Mm -hmm. And some of the quotes that we got were an anonymous source saying that Rose is tired of being hurt and is taking a toll on him mentally. Rose has been non-communicative to multiple people inside and outside of the Cavs. However, he did notify them that he was taking some time away. And so he didn't like just disappear. But it sounds like he's not talking to necessarily all of his teammates. Um, And it's a it's a unique situation. It's extremely unique. uh, And it's sad Juliet, because like, has anybody in recent memory had a weirder, more tragic and, you know, tragic relative to sports, not real life career arc than Derek Rose from MVP to this crash? I mean, you mentioned last year when things kind of went sideways on him and he disappeared from the Knicks and he didn't tell them. And he said, you know, this is that's my fault. But then now he he notified them, but now has gone like radio silent since. Right. And the non-communicative part is troublesome if you're the Cavs. He's not talking to anybody inside or outside the Cavs. He's off doing Derrick Rose things. And I understand that he's upset about being consistently injured. He hasn't, Juliet, he has not played more than 66 games since the 10-11 season. I mean, That is so crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And he's on the veteran minimum this year, getting $2.1 million. And like, it's obviously still a lot of money, but for someone who was such a huge prospect coming out of Memphis and then was the face of the Bulls, it was like a Bulls revival with him and Joakim Noah and all of those Tibbs teams. It's a precipitous fall that we're not used to seeing. It usually comes like sooner if this is going to happen, like rookie or sophomore seasons, right? It's been crazy to watch. I mean, I remember I covered the series, the playoff series, where he got hurt against the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, that was a really good team. I mean, they had Joe Kim Noah, and Joe Kim Noah wasn't New York Joe Kim Noah. He was Chicago version. He yeah. was playing really well. Heart and, and soul. He was amazing. 20 boards, yeah. Yeah, and those two together were really fantastic, and that team had big-time aspirations and I think would have given the Celtics fits if they had played. Instead, the Sixers went on and lost to them in seven games. And Derrick Rose, from that point to this, has never been the same. And now he's contemplating his future in basketball, His present isn't very good, let alone his future. I'd be surprised 
if we ever see any version of Derrick Rose pre that injury against the Sixers again. I mean, he's just oh, yeah. been a shadow. It seems really unlikely. Also, he's just had like a lot going on. I mean, also like notably the pretty grisly court case against him that yeah. last year where basically he was accused of gang rape and then it was not, it was a civil case anyway. So it wasn't like guilty or not guilty, but he was not liable basically. But it's just been a very kind of like hard to watch and also at times hard to support him given those allegations. And it seemed like maybe this could be a good fit for him, but I guess not. I mean, if you're always injured and your body is your career, it's hard to uh, keep playing, obviously, and like mentally stay there. So it is tough to watch. Do you think he should step away? I don't know. I've been wondering about this since this news broke, because on the one hand, it was you see this report from Woj and McMenamin and you go, my God, I can't believe it. And then on, you take a step, if not back to then to the side and you go, yeah, I guess I can kind of believe it. I mean, the Derrick Rose, like we've said, the Derrick Rose of the last couple of seasons has been not a good Derrick Rose. He played 64 games last year, 66 the year before that, only 51 in, in uh, 2014-15. I mean, it's just been one shortened campaign after another. Maybe he should. I mean, I, Dwayne Wade said that while he doesn't fully understand what Derrick Rose is going through, he understands the idea of being hurt, not being able to get out there, and, and your body not reacting the way that you want it to and how that can mentally take a toll on you. And LeBron said that, you know, they're rooting for him and all this stuff. I feel like he's checked out. Yeah. You know, like he wasn't fully there in New York last year, and he's definitely not fully in Cleveland this year. Right. Also, notably, the Cavs have improved since he's gotten injured. They've won seven in a row. Yeah, all of a sudden they're uh, they're back in the mix in the East. Shocker. They're 12-7. and seven. They're mm-hmm. third in the conference. They could still be first by April. It's a long way off. The Cavs are certainly in a better spot than they were last week at this time, and certainly better than two weeks ago at this time. And it looks like Isaiah Thomas might be back soon. He shot out an Instagram that said, uh, it was like kind of vague, but it was like him practicing. It was like coming soon. So the timeline has always been December or January for him, Christmas or so. And so that is pretty soon. They need him. They they yeah. definitely need him. I mean, he like that will be a massive boost to that team. I mean, he really, the offense that he provides certainly they could absolutely use. And I think he wants to get, yeah, he wants to get back too, because there was an ESPN headline. It was sort of a little squirrely. It trumpeted Kyrie Irving in Boston by saying Isaiah who, that was the headline. And uh, yeah, (laughs) that's just rude. It was, it was a little bit much. I thought, I mean, the guy's got one hip, give him a break. Uh, He'll be back eventually. And you'll remember that he was, he was really good for the Celtics. But so he responded on Twitter and uh, started with a big ha ha ha. Are you a ha 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 person? or an LOL person? I'm an LOL person and for a, a moment like this I would do LOLOL like two. You do you an know? extra. Yeah, an okay. extra. Like just I'm really really <laughs> laughing out loud at this one. What about you? Right, just to really <laughs> underscore how amusing this is to you. Uh, I'm a ha-ha-ha person and uh, I would have a truncated ha-ha to show uh, how unamused I was You'd by this. You'd be like pissed, yeah. Right, it'd be like maybe just one ha. Ha, that's appropriate, I agree. Right, so he had a multiple ha-ha-ha and said he's happy that Kyrie is playing well and that the Celtics are doing good, but he said, don't disrespect with the Isaiah who, though. You know damn well who I am and what I've done. He's ready. He's ready to get back out there. I think that uh, he sees what's happening with Kyrie and the Celtics, and it's got to make him, like, a, if not a little jealous, then then a little, you know, I want to go out there and show him, you know, that sure. I'm still really good. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I couldn't have seen coming like three years ago, four years ago, was that Isaiah Thomas would be in the no criticism zone. Like, I don't think you can really criticize him because of the incredible display. He, all of last season, mm-hmm. he was carried to the Celtics. Insane. And then 
And then continuing to play after her sister tragically died at a young age. That was really sad. And then the way the Celtics just totally did him dirty. He's just like a universally beloved player now in Boston, outside of Boston. Like everyone who seems to like have been in contact with him, like within the last two years, really likes him and like supports him. And it's just of all the NBA players, I wouldn't have guessed that Isaiah Thomas would be the one who's like completely above criticism. No, he's a super fun player to watch. He's easy to root for, as you mentioned. And just like the rise, the career arc for him has been almost inversely proportional to Derrick Rose's. Like as Derrick Rose yeah, got worse, good point. Isaiah got much better. Don't forget, I wrote about this in my DR. Fox piece, but like, remember when he was in Sacramento, Isaiah? Yes, I and, know. and Sacramento has needed a good player and a good point guard forever. And they just basically buried him because he didn't get on with Boogie. And then he went to Phoenix, and like, that was a weird fit. And then all of a sudden he ends up in Boston and, you know, now he's the Isaiah of recent vintage. He's been amazing. The king of the fourth. Who would have saw that coming? Nobody. I know. Absolutely no one. It's a, it is like a kind of like really good sports movie arc, like the way you put it, because he was the last pick in the draft. Yeah. He's overcome so much adversity and like he's and now he's like even. He's tiny. Even more. Yeah, he's tiny. I don't know. He He's like a really compelling figure. And I think that's why it's like when he gets slighted, you're like, no, lay off Isaiah. Yeah, I'm rooting for him. I'm ready for I him to too. come back. And uh, I think I think he's going to be great. Speaking of slights, let's talk oh, about no. the Memphis Grizzlies. What's happening? It's pretty wild. So last night, the Grizzlies lost to the New Jersey Nets. Mm-hmm. I watched the game with my father. I, I like that you're calling them the New Jersey Nets. Sorry, right, the let's bring Nets. It. No, keep them in Jersey, the Meadowlands, so the Swamplands. I, I went to the Nets Blazers game a couple of days ago. Oh, you went to that game? I did. It was quite fun. That was the noon game, right? Yes, it was the noon game, which, by the way, was supposed to be at 730 when we bought the tickets, and it got moved up to noon, and they moved it for like a totally like tertiary college basketball tournament, which I find shocking and very strange. That's how it goes for the Nets, and that's why they're still the I New guess. Jersey Nets. They're like, whatever, put them at noon. I've consistently called the New Jersey Nets for like the last five days. By the way, the Blazers had a good day that day. I actually don't think it was a good day. The, the Nets... <laughs> The Nets are fine. They've got they've got flashes, but they're not like a good team. They gave that game away. The Blazers and the Blazers, you know, to their credit, took it. Nurk took that game Nurk, for them. I love. I actually love Nurk. Yeah. I think he's he's rapidly rising in my personal player. Power there you go. Games. Now you're so you're coming around a little bit. See that. <laughs> But I also really like Alan Crabb, I, and I think he enjoyed playing his former team. Anyway, uh, the New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> were playing the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis last night. Right. And it was like a close game. And then the Grizz lost by 10, notably without A, Chandler Parsons, who's out for the second half with a stiff knee, which for all of our Parsons heads out there, sure. me included, me particularly, is worrisome. Um, but way more notably... No Marcus All in the fourth. And it's not because he was injured. It's just because Coach Fizz benched him. Weird. Really weird. Really, really weird, Juliet. This is a really team weird. that has been very bad without Mike Connolly. Yes. And by far and away, without question, their best player. When Mike Connolly is on the floor, it's either one and one A, you you pick, but it's Marcus All when he's not there. And he leads them in points and rebounds and assists and blocks and effort and talent. And for some reason, sitting on the bench. Yeah, and he was really pissed. Let's just read a couple yeah, of his quotes. I do not know the why. It's a first for me. Trust me. And I don't like it one bit. I'm more ticked than I can show and frustrated. And then this is the real money shot. 
At the end of the day, I'm as competitive as anybody. I hate not playing. That's what I value most. If I'm not on the floor, that means I'm not valued. I'm sure they knew that would hurt me the most. I'm sure they wouldn't do it to Mike. They wouldn't do it to Mike. They wouldn't do it to Mike. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch, ouch, ouch. That's a tough one. Uh, Fizdale, that's a shot across the bow, dude. First of all, he's right. There's yes. no way in for, for a team that's lost eight straight and nine of their last 10, there's no way in hell that you would sit Mike Connolly in a game. Like Fizdale said, I'm desperate. I'm trying to win a game, right? When he was asked why he sat Marcus Hall. Yeah. Okay. I understand that you're desperate. I totally get you're trying to win a game. Explain to me how sitting Marcus Gasol makes that happen. Marcus Gasol is is like one of my favorite players to watch, particularly in person, because he's just he's so good mm-hmm. and <laughs> underrated. So and underrated. It, yeah, and it's funny like him and Conley are both so underrated, but also like so great. But do you think he should be able to carry the team better than he is? Like, is someone with his skill set able to push the team up the hill without someone else? I think when you have he and Mike Connolly running that two-man game and you've got pick-and-roll actions, that team becomes something better than it is. It's better than the sum of its parts. You take Mike Connolly out of it, and Tariq Evans has been really good for them yeah. in his in his absence, but he is not Mike Connolly, and he's no. a better second-team guy. Look at the rest of their team, Juliet. It's a bad roster. It's a bad <laughs> roster. They've got your Michael Green, Dylan Brooks, your boy Chandler, Mario Chalmers is getting minutes, Rio. James Ennis. Yeah, this is just a bad team. I mean, like, they really Andrew don't Andrew Harrison have... is, is my fave. I'm just like, how is Andrew Harrison in the NBA? It's Andrew just, Harrison in the NBA. I mean, honestly, like, they have nowhere to get offense from. That's why I think, like, they've really had to get a lot out of Tariq Evans. They got him on a really cheap deal in the offseason. Good for them. Good for him. But that, when you're, like, really relying on Tariq to provide your offense, you're in a lot of trouble, which, again, brings it back to Fisdale. I don't know what the hell he was doing. He said, okay, well, you know, the second team guys were really eating into the lead, and I guess they were. But that second team is really ugly. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, There's just not a lot for them to feel good about. And uh, apparently they don't feel good about Marcus Hill either. It's pretty weird. Also, as just sort of like a, a personnel management move, mm-hmm. it's really like a bizarre one to me. There can't be like a great feel good vibe in that locker room. So benching your star without any warning with, when he also hasn't like clearly done anything wrong except contribute to losses is a really weird like psychological move to yeah, me. It made him sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, and mad. He seems really mad. It said I'm sure they knew that that would hurt me the most. Like he had been wounded personally. I feel, yeah. <laughs> feel really bad for him. He spent a lot of time in the off season too. I mean let's not forget. He lost so much weight. He, lo- he really got himself in shape. Marcus saw when he first came in the league a little bit doughy. People yeah. didn't know that he was going to be, uh, you know, I'm not going to say he was. he's the better Gasol, but he's certainly a really good Gasol. He Both Gasols be. are excellent. It's a debate at least, but yeah. he's been so good over these last few seasons. Again, he's clearly their best player. I don't know what Fizdale is doing. It sucks to see what's happening in Memphis because when they had Mike Connolly and also Gasol on the floor, I'm not going to say that they were a good team, but they were, they were defying early season expectations. And then young yeah. plug, and then you know everything's cratered since then. They were overachieving for sure. Tough for um, Chris Vernon. T- sorry, Verno. <laughs> you mentioned the other Gasol, and mm-hmm. I actually w- I would love for Mark to be on the Spurs. I think that that would just be very fun. But there's there's basically no way to get him there. But um, I need a double Gasol. That would be great. That would be fun. When's the last time brothers were on a team together? They, I mean, they do the Spain thing together. I guess I love the, Mor- that. I the love Morrises that. were in were in Phoenix together. Yeah, that's but, right. And they uh, they shared that contract. I yes, <laughs> so bizarre. I don't know the agent who brokered that deal, but I think that was stupid. Anyway, um, 
<laughs> I would like Marcus Allen out of Memphis. I think Memphis just needs a reset. They kind of were heading that direction when they got rid of Zebo and Tony Allen, but might need to go even further. And, and also, they're like in a weird predicament because there's just all these rumors, which we've covered on the ringer, that they're going to be sold. So it's hard to really make moves and be aggressive when your ownership's going to change. Tough times in Memphis. Tough times in Memphis. Tough times for the Clippers as well. Mm-hmm. And therefore, DeAndre Jordan is in some trade rumors. And and they're really, truly rumors. But one thing kind of in the ether is DeAndre Jordan for Tristan Thompson. So this has perhaps. been reported, perhaps, as you said, rumor. It's not really reported. It's been like floated. I would say it's been floated. floated. Yeah. That's a good word to use. I like that we're in the business Thank of you. using words. Let's choose the proper word. It was floated by Cleveland.com. Here's what it said in the report. It said a league source said that the move could be uh, Jordan for Thompson and there would be a pick included. Now, Cleveland has its own number one pick. They also have that Brooklyn pick that they got in the Kyrie deal. I don't yes. understand. Like for the Cavs, done. Like, here's a pick. Here's Tristan Thompson. This makes sense for me from the Cavs perspective. Eh, from the Clips perspective, unless you're getting that Brooklyn pick, I don't know. Yeah. I don't understand how that Not works. Not worth it. Not worth it. The Clippers are worse with Tristan Thompson than with DeAndre Jordan. Considerably worse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Glad we agree. I think that I've like lost a frame of reference on how good Tristan Thompson is because he only plays with LeBron. So I'm like, right. could you be good on another team? And I, I'm pretty sure the answer is no, but I'm not positive. So he's been hurt and he hasn't played yeah. much this year. Uh, and he carries the Kardashian curse. He carries the Kardashian curse. He's only been out there for eight games. He, you know, like it's hard to tell what sort of shape he's in right now. It's interesting though for DeAndre Jordan. His numbers have been a little skewed this season. He's second in the league in rebounds, which is where you'd expect him to be. Rim protection numbers, though, Juliet, not as good as previous seasons. He's only 28th in blocks, and I wonder like how much of the way he's been deployed is to blame for that, or how, like maybe he's just taken a step back. I mean, he he got eaten alive by Joel Embiid when they yeah. played here in Los Angeles. I still think it's an upgrade for the Cavs. For the Cavs, it would be a no-brainer. He's just a better type of player for what you'd get out of those two guys. But from the Clippers' perspective, this is a big trade piece. If they're going to do something like that, I think they need more. And let's not forget, the Cavs are the same team that traded two first-round picks for Timofey Mozgov. I would remind them of that when saying, hey, if you want DeAndre Jordan, you got to cough up more than just this. David Griffin, the former... GM of the Cavs is on NBA TV talking about this. And it was kind of interesting to hear him like so cavalierly be in GM mode. It was actually really cool. And I wish we had more of that in like the NBA commentary space, Uh, specifically on TV. We certainly have it online. Um, But he was just talking about how this is a really, it would be a really bad idea for the Cavs because the only thing that matters is winning championships there, obviously. And then DeAndre Jordan can opt in to like a last year for $35 million, which was like just be insane. And they're already over the tax. And it's just when you hear him like spell it out, you're like, no, it's a really stupid idea. And anyway, it was Wait, really so he said it was a bad idea for the Cavs. Like, yeah. But if, if his reasoning for that is that they're trying to win championships and that's the only thing that matters, isn't this like a make or break season for them on that front? Sure. Yeah, but I think his his point was that it wouldn't make a difference. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know. I think DeAndre's an upgrade over Tristan Thompson, but maybe he's right. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't move the needle enough for them to actually, you know, upend the Warriors when they inevitably meet again. Yeah, I mean, and also like Tristan Thompson is like best against the Warriors, perhaps. That's like when he plays yeah, best basketball. That's true. He so. does play well against <laughs> playoff Tristan Thompson's a real thing. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, we need to talk about the saddest place in the NBA, 
of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I need all of Juliet Littman's Oklahoma-related takes. There's a lot of things to talk about here. They've lost four of their last five. They lost a game to Detroit at the last second where Paul George didn't take a shot after like the eight and a half minute mark in the game, which was bizarre. Yeah. Uh, Russell Westbrook was shooting really terribly in that game. Didn't matter. They gave him the last shot from three to try to win the game. He missed. And then Juliet, they followed that up by losing to the Mavericks. Yeah, really bad. Really bad. Which allowed Tim McMahon, who I like, to write an article for the ESPN. Like, the Mavericks are like starting to figure it out. Like, <laughs> now they're 5-15. and 15. And I was just like, are they? Or are the Thunder just an abject failure? Um, I don't know why, but like my good friend and office roommate Chris Ryan, I just really root for the Thunder and Russ. Like, I don't know what my connection is to them, but I just want the best for them. And I just find this, like, so, so hard to watch. And I just want to point out one thing. And Kevin wrote today, mm-hmm. yes. on Kevin O'Connor on The Ringer, about how the Thunder's problems begin and end with Russ, which is all very fair. But I just want to point out, Russ has been to the playoffs like of almost his entire career. He's been to the finals. Carmelo Anthony, Paul George have not, they they both have lot one significantly less than Russ. So maybe sure. they're the problems. So just, I just want to say, you know, it's not like they're like proven winners elsewhere. Well, okay, so... I think that how they've been incorporated is really yes. confusing. Yes. Uh, and we're going to get nice to Billy, Billy Donovan in a little <laughs> bit. But when you have Paul George, who doesn't get a shot after the eight and a half minute mark in a very close game against Detroit, Paul George is a really good player. He's and a good shooter, too. He's a good shooter. and But this is part of my, my issue with the way that they've deployed him. More often than not, it's, hey, Paul George, go over there and stand in the corner. And I don't understand how that works. I mean, they're treating Paul George the way that they treated Victor Oladipo last year, right. which was, you'll get the ball when Russ is damn well ready to give it to you. And it's not an incorporated offense where it's like, we're going to share, we're going to make the right play. Whoever gets the open shot gets the open shot, and that leads to really good, productive, continued offense. That's not what they're doing right now. And KOC's piece is really good. Everybody should go and read it on The Ringer. He's right that the problems begin and end with Russ, just as like the benefits begin and end with Russ. But some of the culpability here has to lie with Billy Donovan, does it not? Sure. Absolutely. One thing we just we talk about a lot is like how much credit to give to coaches versus the players. And I think it really varies team to team. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to like either like give Billy Donovan credit or all the blame. But the Thunder just don't have a system. Like they they never have. Like and so that's kind of I think goes back to the Russ problem. Because even with KD, they didn't really have a a system. It was sort of like two stars do your thing and figure it out. But it's an even bigger problem now without KD and last year you kind of got it you're like well all they have is Russ he's going to drag him to the playoffs and like that's fine but when you're trying to incorporate three exceptional talents you need a system you need like a Golden State Steve Carr uh, Greg Popovich or Rick Carlisle kind of scheme and they just completely lack that and Paul George is obviously the most obvious way that it, it becomes apparent I wonder how much of last year sort of screwed up the idea of you know Russ in his head and how things need to happen and because now you've got other pieces around I mean like they're second in defensive rating they've got talent but there's 22nd in offense they're 18th in pace too so it's not like they're exactly pushing the ball they're sort of middle of the pack there I just wonder how much of last year just you know they still need to shake that off and go that's last year is not this year we need to be a team and not just you know one guy and then you know his backup singers it's just yeah. a screwy way to, to go. Every time I watch them, I go, I don't understand this. 
It's you know, it's just it just like looks broken. It's I actually I don't like watching them. It makes me too sad. This is not good for you. This was your team. I know. I really wanted more from them. They lost to uh, the Mavericks. I know. Okay, let's do real or not real. All, right. all Oklahoma. It's all Oklahoma. Okay. That was from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Did you ever see that movie? I haven't. I'm on a personal movie journey, though. Maybe I'll put it on my list. It's an 80s comedy with Steve Martin and Michael Caine. Mm -hmm. It's really good. I do Uh, love Michael Caine. Yeah, and he runs... They're two con men. It's great. But that Oklahoma thing always makes me laugh. All right, so I put this together because you are the number one point person for all things Oklahoma City. This is your team. So I need to find out, real or not real, do you agree with KOC? Russ is the problem with this team. There's so much evidence that points back to Russ, but I just believe in him. I'm going to go with, um, no, not real. I'd rather have Russ than not have Russ. So there you go. They're two and 10 when he leads the team in shot attempts, Juliet. Okay. Then maybe that's a coaching problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really think that that, that, and we're going to get to Billy Donovan. I'm with you. Russ is so talented that you'd rather have him than not have him. And he's also a really smart basketball player. Yeah. He must know that he needs to get the other guys more involved. It's not last season. And that's why I think KFC nailed it. He's he's both problem and benefit for this team. Which brings us to the next one. Real or not real, Billy Donovan should be worried about his job. Yes, 100%. We're way past that point. What yeah. is Billy Donovan doing? I, I don't know. I, I think oh, so real and he's been terrible and somebody needs to get to Billy Donovan like yesterday and be like, you need to fix this because this he's is never been good in the NBA. He's never been. Good. You're not like, oh, great coach. So I think he's got to go. Remember when he first came in, there was that narrative of this is a weird like this is a weird coaching decision, but we'll see how it goes. And it didn't really work out. And then they almost beat the Warriors. And then people went, oh, yeah, like maybe Billy Donovan is pretty good. And then KD left and it was just the rush show last year. So we weren't talking about Billy Donovan at all. And now we're back to, well, they've got much better talent than they had the previous season. What the hell is this offense? I'm with you. I think it's weird. He's got to go. Real or not real, the Thunder will miss the playoffs. So this is interesting. Yeah. So here's who's in right now. Yeah. Rockets, staying mm-hmm. in. Warriors, staying in. Spurs, probably staying in. Timberwolves, it's probably staying in. Blazers, Nuggets, Pelicans, Jazz. So the Jazz are 9-11 and 11 and the Thunder are 8-11. and 11. So... They're one and a half games behind them, and the Pelicans are 11 and 9. I think, personally, the Pelicans are the biggest overachiever of this bunch. Yeah. The Nuggets just lost Millsap, so who knows? Like That that could be a Ewing theory situation, though, where they've had too many pieces and maybe taking one out will help. The West is sort of overrated here. When you yeah. look at, like, I like their top four, even five teams, because you know I like the Blazers, and you just mentioned the Nuggets with Millsap, so like that's a question mark. So I would say the six, seven, eight seeds sort of up for grabs. Oklahoma, you would think, should be able to grab one of those pretty easily. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who do you think is most likely to fall out of this eight? Mm. Um, that's tough. I, I think that the Pelicans have, for good or ill, their team together. So yeah. I would leave them there. The Nuggets is a tough call. You have Millsap with surgery. So who knows how that's going to affect them? I think it's them. I think it's the Nuggets. You think the Nuggets are out? out? Yeah, Which Nuggets hate, and Jazz. I love Jokic and I love Mike Malone for some reason. But yeah, I think I think it's the Nuggets. So I think they make it, but ju- I think as the eight. And then if they play the Warriors in round one, that would just be. I think they're going to make it too, just because they have too much talent. Like you look at, like you said, I mean, the Nuggets are man down now. The Jazz are man down. The Thunder have all their pieces. They should be able to make the playoffs. 
It's, you yeah, know, they really should. It's now time for the heat check, heat check. Boom, He's heating up. He's on fire. We're going to do these rapid fire. Do it. Steve Kerr this week broke out a deck of cards. <laughs> this time, previously, as discussed, he had nail clippers. He had slinky. He had a Rubik's Cube. When he makes press pregame announcements, he brings a prop and now it's a deck of cards. I'm ready for this bit to end. <laughs> You know what? This is like one of those um, Simpsons or Family Guy bits where it starts off funny and then like it continues and it's like less funny, but then it continues even more and it gets funny again. I'm I'm in on this again. Okay, I, I want this in. to just keep going. I read this morning that uh, Steph wore a fanny pack to the game. He has to do it for like three games because he lost a bet to Jamel McGee. Okay. I will just say the Warriors for any bad losses, they just seem like they're having fun which is like Steve Kerr's big mantra is like, you know, find the joy in the game. And they're like real professionals. I have like a lot of faith in them, even if James Harden is maybe the best player in the league right now. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they clearly are are not at all concerned with the regular season, nor should they be. Um, yeah. Here's another one. The Knicks went out and throttled the Clippers in New York and Blake Griffin out with Kendall Jenner the, that night partying. Yes, they went to Up and Down. I don't know about Up and Down. Tell me about Up and Down. Um, I believe that's the club that Jay-Z was at the night of the elevator incident after the Met Gala. So that's it's just kind of infamous for that. At first, I was like, huh, that's a weird look. And then I went, nah, never mind. Who cares? You're in New York. It's Thanksgiving week. You got killed. What's the difference? Uh, I don't know, man. I think it's a bad look. <laughs> if I'm I'm very anti-Blake and Kendall to begin with. Really? And yes. Um, I just think that if I was Blake Griffin's ex- Bryn, I'd be really anti. So I stand with Bryn. I say, let those two crazy kids live. If they can't make it, who can? I guess. I don't know. I just think I think it's a bad look. I don't want the face of my franchise, a Jordan Brand star, a recently maxed out player, just like constantly seen partying. You got to spend that money somewhere. That's true. I guess I'm anti. Okay. Um, one thing I'm pro. Yeah. Caroline Wozniacki threw a retirement party for her fiance, David Lee. Oh, they're together? Yes, they're engaged now. Things you learn. God, you don't read the Daily Mail or TMZ. He, <laughs> I think that David Lee's having a great week. Karos threw him a retirement party in Missouri, which mm-hmm. is good because now it's just sort of like he didn't exit on his own terms because he would have done that like in June, but he just sort of like accepted his fate that like he's out of the league, he got a ring, move on. And he had like a retirement party in Missouri where he's from near St. Louis. And then he went with her as um, her date to Serena Williams' wedding. So, like, it doesn't really get better than that. He's getting way more attention for getting engaged, having this party, and going to that wedding than he would have if he was still on the Spurs. So I think this is, like, a, a good week for David Lee. David Lee, much better career and life than I anticipated David Lee having. Totally. Good totally. for him. <laughs> also, in the retirement front, uh, while we're doing people of saying goodbye, Kendall Marshall announced his retirement, and it made me go, Kendall Marshall wasn't already retired? Yeah, I know. Like he had to announce it? Like, really? All right. Good for Kendall Marshall, though, I guess. Yeah. You know, Godspeed. Yeah, Godspeed, dude. And meanwhile, in Cleveland, LeBron threw a wine night. Kevin Love was there, and he spent more than $1,000 on wine for his team. So I saw this report, and I thought, like, that's really cool. They had a night of wine, and they got some delicious bottles. It was, like, uh, almost $1,200 worth of wine. And initially, I thought, oh, that's a lot of money for wine. Then I went, not, that, not actually, no. Right. Because you have a lot of people drinking and you're rich. Like, I would have expected the over on that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Also, it's LeBron. Like, you have so much money. I was interested that I think these are mostly 
Italian wines. It's kind of a range, but most they're all European, no mm-hmm. California or Oregon. Support um, local. Seriously, LeBron, what kind of American are you? <laughs> Just kidding. I love it. The the uh, NBA is a wine league, which I really like. Think is is interesting. Obviously, Pop is a noted wine guy. That team um, is a big wine team. As I learned last year when I was in Cleveland doing the their podcast, their uh, road trip and podcast, they love to drink their wine. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's like been LeBron's thing for a while. I also just want to note, if you're not following Kevin Love on Instagram, you definitely should because he does all these stories about the stuff he's watching. And it's like fascinating. Like, I just w- would love to know, like, how he goes through Instagram, like who suggests things to him. Cause like, it's just like so interesting to me. I will do this now because of you. These are all the things that I ha- like, I need you around <laughs> to tell me about, like what's happening with clubs and the wine drinking on it on Instagram. This is perfect. I, you know, I can only be me, man. So, I like it. <laughs> I saw yesterday that he just started watching Dexter and I love Dexter. So I support it. It's one of my favorite shows. I feel like it's been forgotten, but I'm just like, interesting. It, I don't know. He, he just, he's just streaming. He lives that streaming life. I, I have bad news for him. It gets bad at the end. I know it does. Tell it, everyone should tell him to cut it off after the Julia style season. With yeah. that, was, that was my favorite. <laughs> okay. Let's look ahead to the games we have this week. The games this week. Yes, there are quite a few good ones. The Pistons are at the Celtics tonight. Top of the Eastern Conference. This is actually a good game. Who would have thunk it? And the Battle of Los Angeles. I came in and our producer, Isaac Lee, was very excited that it's Lakers at a Clippers home game, even though every game in L.A. is a Lakers home game. Yes, that's true. It's the regional battles of California, because also the Kings are the Warriors tonight, which is not as fun, but still, I like a good regional fight. And... Cavs at Sixers. That's a good game, too. Cavs at Sixers is also a good game. couple of big games for the Sixers this week. Uh, later on in the week, on Thursday, they play the Celtics, get to measure themselves against the best in the East. I'm excited about that one. Yes. And then Wednesday, we've got Oklahoma City after a very long layoff. Lots of time to think about how bad they are. Lots of time to fight with your teammates to is fight how, I, how I see that. Or unify, we'll find out, against the now, once again, terrible again, Kevin Clark magic. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> that should that should give them some juice, you know. Like they should be able to. That should that should raise them up. Which is like whenever I really like reading. Whenever I'm like having a hard time getting into a book, I like to pick up something really breezy to like find my rhythm. And that's what the magic should be. Wait, you read before you read? Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'll read before I write, but I, that you read it as an appetizer before you're yeah. reading main course. I like yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I really want the Thunder to put it together, John. I just really do. I know you do. We're, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. That's a big game on Wednesday. Which is like just so depressing. It tells everything you need to know. <laughs> that their big game is against the Magic. Yes, yeah. exactly. This has been the Monday Heat Check on the Ringer NBA show. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm John Gonzalez. Tomorrow you got Verno, who can maybe give some insight into the uh, Marcus Lowe situation with Kevin O'Connor. On Thursday, there's the NBA group chat with Chris Ryan, Justin Barrier, and friends. And we'll be back next Monday. Thank you for listening, as always. See you.